Okay, it is so nice to see everybody and to hear good mazel tovs and to hear uh, exciting news and stuff like that. Not news, I knew, it was, I knew you were engaged, but such a nice thing to hear simchas, uh, but let's learn about the Parsha. So, <laughs> Vayeshev is another one of these uh, Parshas that you have heard of. Uh, I would imagine. Um, just to recap quickly, Yosef and his dreams, right? Obviously, the favoritism and uh, the hatred from his brothers. I'm not going to talk about it at length, but just Chazal uh, praised the brothers, by the way, for not being able. Puzzik says they weren't able to speak to him. Um, and it shows that they were Toko Kabaro. They were inside like, like they're outside, meaning they were real. They didn't, like, fake it or whatever. Uh, Chazal do praise them for that. Um, okay, we're not going to really mention that too, more than just, uh, just that. A quick word about it. But anyway, uh, Yosef basically is sent to, to uh, see how his brothers are doing, right? You all know the story, right? He was thrown in a pit, sold uh, sold down to Mitzrayim, right? I think Machuk has shown him who sold him, uh, but okay, that's a whole discussion over there. Yaakov obviously is told that he didn't make, Yosef didn't make it, and he mourns him, and he's refused, uh, refuses to be comforted. You have the whole whole episode of Yehuda and Tamar, which we're not going to talk about. Uh, Yosef gets throws, thrown into Potiphar's house, uh, obviously, Potiphar's wife is attempted seduction. Uh, Yosef then gets thrown in jail. Uh, obviously, you have the Sarah Mashkin, the Sarah Ophim, the baker and the butler. Right, their dreams, Yosef interprets them, okay, and exactly how it works. Uh, and then Yosef uh, gets left in jail at the end of the Parsha for the dramatic, uh, you know, coming out of next week uh, and uh, and kind of, you know, re- interpreting Paro's dreams and becoming visceral, etc., etc. Okay, so let's, uh, let's just talk about quickly... Um, uh, okay, let's talk about, let's start at the beginning. Uh, Vayeshev Yaakov, right? Vayeshev Yaakov, Yaakov, uh, settled down, and Rashi says, right, pretty well-known Rashi, first Rashi, I think, if I'm not mistaken, on the Parsha, B'Kesh Yaakov Lasheves B'Shalva, Yaakov Avinu wanted to relax. B'Kesh Yaakov Lasheves B'Shalva, right, he wanted to live at ease, right, but immediately, Kofatzalav, Rogue Zoshal Yosef, immediately, uh, the, uh, this whole story with Yosef and, and his brothers jumped up uh, and didn't allow him to do that. And says, Rashi, Tzadikim mevakshim leishe b'shalva, the Tzadikim want to live in peace, they just want to sit and learn, leave me alone, don't bother me. Omei HaKosh Baruch but Hashem says, lo dayin shazadikim mashem etukin lahem lolam haba, it's not enough for you guys, what, what what's awaiting you guys for in the next world, the, re- the reward of the next world is not enough, elashem mevakshim leishe b'shalva b'olam haza, you guys want to chill and relax in this world also, what are you doing? What what, what are you talking about? Says Akash Baruch Hu, no chance. And the and the question is, what's going on with this Rashi? Because you read this Rashi when you're a kid, and you're like, oh, Hashem seems to be like a bad guy. Like, what what's so terrible? Hashem should the tzaddikim. They're tzaddikim. They're the greatest people in the world. They should live in peace. What does Hashem care? Right? Tzaddikim have a little bit of relaxation in this world, and in the next world. Akash Baruch Hu, obviously not some sort of evil sadist, you know, trying to persecute those who are closest to him. Obviously not. So what's going on over here? So I heard a beautiful answer based on the Gemara and Brachos. Gemara and Brachos says, Daf Samach Dalid, that there's a difference when the Torah says uh, someone to someone Leich Lishalom as opposed to Leich Bishalom. For example, right with a base Bishalom versus Leich Lishalom with a Lamed. Uh, for example, when Moshe left Yisro in Parsha Shmos, he says Leich Lishalom, goodbye. Uh, and when Elisha and Naaman go their separate ways in, in, in Malachim uh, and Perakei, so they, see, they also say Leich Lishalom. But when David uh, met 
Avshalom, his son, who rebelled against him, and then when they parted ways, they never saw each other again, so David said, Leich Bishalom. So the Gemara says over there that there's a difference. If a person is, is going to be alive, is going to continue and, and be blessed and, and you know, have a long life, so the, then the, the Tanakh and the Torah uses the phrase with a lamet, Leich Lishalom. But if a person is going to, is if a person says goodbye to a, a, someone who passed away, or is going to pass away, you say Leich Bishalom, right? You go. Uh, be in peace, as opposed to go to peace. And what, what basically what the implication of the Gemara is that is that righteous people who are alive, righteous people, people who are on a path, right? We are walking towards shalom, right? We are going to shalom. We're going to a gashbarcha. We're going to a situation uh, of peace, right? Lishalom, right? We're on a we're traveling somewhere. Mm-hmm. A person who is bishalom, right? Who is in static, right? Is static in in peace. That person is not no longer getting close to their gashbarcha. Right, the, when a person is alive, when a person is, is growing, is continuing, right, they're always going somewhere. Right, to be in a static state of just staying and chilling and relaxing and not accomplishing, that's comparable to being dead. And so when Yashi, Rashi says that Yaakov Avinu Bikesh Lashev is Leshev Bishalva, he wanted to stay in peace, that was a Kosh Baruch who said, that's not befitting of Itzadik of Yaakov's caliber. Maybe the Hamonam, the regular people, deserve to relax a little bit. But Itzadik and, and, and spiritual people who are growing and try, always trying to accomplish, that never stops. Right? That never stops. Right? So, so a Kosh Baruch right? Yaakov, you know, Bikesh, Lashem, Bishalvin, whatever, obviously Yaakov didn't want to stop growing. He didn't want to just chill and, you know, and like pop a beer, obviously, right? And we're talking about one of the Avos. But still, the message to Yaakov and the message that Rashi is trying to convey to us is that growing never stops. And as a person gets older, right, they may want to relax, but a person is tasked to grow in whatever situation that they're put in, right? As we get older, so, you know, we have perhaps more obstacles and more difficulties, Right? And when a person overcomes and is able to thrive in that type of situation, in that type of scenario, right, the triumph is so much so much greater. Um, and that's unfortunately why it sometimes seems like Tzadikim and Tamil Chachamim are having difficulties. Because, yes, they've accomplished, let's say a person, you know, is accomplished uh, so much in learning, so all of a sudden it's it's harder for them to learn. Or a person uh, has had tremendous shalom bias for, you know, 5, 10 years, and all of a sudden they have some difficult patches. It's because a coach Baruch wants you to overcome. Right? We, a person who doesn't necessarily have proper emunah bitachon says, Ah, oh, Hashem, why are you afflicting me? Why are you bothering me? Just leave me alone. But a person who has proper perspective right, realizes that a Kosh Baruch Hu just wants you to succeed. Right? A person who is uh, able to do chesed when they don't have anything else going on in their lives, right? so that chesed is valuable. But when they do chesed, even with life being difficult, that chesed is so much greater. So that's what Kosh Baruch Hu is, uh, is trying to do with us. And that's what Hashem wanted to convey uh, to Yaakov and also to us that yes, Yaakov had become treme- was a tremendous tzaddik, but now it was time for him to be a tremendous tzaddik with uh, some other right, difficulties in life and and to get even greater, right? Not to mess him over, right? But to, but to maximize uh, his reward, and that's what Coach Brock was doing with us when when life seemingly throws us right some difficult times. It was just an excuse to help us uh, to grow even even greater. Okay, uh, Yosef. Is the right this story of Aisha of Yaakov? The parsha starts with Yaakov, but it, don't make no mistake. The story is about is about Yosef, and Yosef is called Yosef at Sadik by Chazal. 
Right, Yoshi, that's the acronym gave, right? Avram Avinu, Yaakov Avinu, Yosef, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, right? So Yosef Hatzad, Aaron Akoin, Yosef Hatzadik. Yosef is called with the acronym, with the moniker Hatzadik. And the question is, why, what did Yosef do to earn this nickname of Hatzadik, right? Obviously, there are tremendous tzaddikim throughout our history, obviously, the Avos being three of them, right? So why all of a sudden we get to Yosef, he's called, he's called Yosef Hatzadik. So, there are several answers to this. I'm just going to throw out uh, two of them. Rav Asher Weiss, Rav Asher Weiss quotes the Zohar in Chelek Aleph, Kuf Tzadi Beis, that explains that basically what we're all thinking, right, that I would imagine, we're the first guess that you would throw out, is because Yosef was able to face and accomplish right, and, and withstand the test uh, of Ashes Potiphar. Now, I'm not one to argue with the Zohar, and that's probably a terrible idea, but was that really... That really, Avram withstood 10 tests, right? Avram didn't have to, okay, Avram's tests were different, right? didn't have that, that exact type of test, fine. But was that really harder than all the other tests? Right? You're telling me that Avram, the Akida, right? <laughs> that, was, that wasn't comparable to Yosef. All of a sudden, Yosef was done that test, and he's a tzaddik. But Avram, who had 10 of them, including the Akida, that we don't call him. Right? Okay, okay. That's, that, that doesn't make sense to me. And B, right, Yosef himself almost didn't pass the test. Right, the Gemara says in Sota, the Puzzle says, right, right, one opinion of the Gemara there, and the Gemara, it says that that uh, Yosef really came home to succumb to the to the to the test, but the image of his father appeared to him and he ran out. So that doesn't sound like someone who's tr- extremely righteous, right? That sounds like someone who kind of at the last minute kind of realized, oh, this is probably a terrible idea. Let me get out of here. So what what exactly is going on over there? So it could be that the answer lies in the Gemara in Brachos Daf Lamedala. There, the Gemara says, right, that B'makom again, pretty well known, that B'makom Shabali Tshuva Omdim Tzadikim Gemurim Enim Omdim. And the place where Bali Tshuva stand, right, so even Tzadikim Gemurim can't get to that. The, that the the Bali Tshuva can get to a higher place than the, than the Tzadikim. And again, there's a lot of ink that's been spilled about this Gemara. People interpret it in different ways. But Pshuto, let's say Pshuto Kamashmo, simply that let's just take it at face value that Bali Tshuva right can get. Uh, to a place that's higher than, than regular tzaddikim. Now, if Yosef had already decided to perform the Avera with Ezra's Potiphar and then decided not to, that makes him a Baal Shuba, right? In no place do we see any debate or, you know, vacillation, to use a fancy word, right? There's no, there's no hesitation on the part of Avram Avinu, right? His greatness was that he didn't blink. Kosh Baruch who said, sacrifice your son? No problem, right? When and where, right? But Yosef according to this opinion of the Gemara, he did blink, and then he overcame. Right? Because once a person has decided to do an Avera, right, as, you, as all of us know, if you've decided to do an Avera, it's much harder to stop than if you're still debating. Right? A person wants to eat treif, right? it's a lot harder to avoid eating treif if you already bought it and sat down at the table right, at McDonald's, right? as opposed to not even walking in the door. So if that's true, right, Yosef overcoming himself after he'd already decided to commit the Avera, that's a much bigger deal. And maybe that's what the Zohar means. That Yosef, he had that Nisayon, and since he had decided already to to do it, and then realized, maybe I better get out of here, maybe I better not, right? to overcome that, that might be uh, perhaps why he's called Yosef Tzadik. I saw another suggestion, completely unrelated, uh, in uh, Roshmul Golden Sefer, that's Rita's uh, brother, uh, and I thought it was a wonderful observation. Right, Zohar not, notwithstanding, but in a completely different direction. If you look at Yosef, 
uh, and his old Tzkufa, and his, the time in which he lived, <coughs> he is the first of the Avos to whom Hashem does not speak. Right, again, just going based on the history, Hashem spoke to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, obviously, very directly. Yosef already now, though, Kosh Baruch doesn't speak to him. Right? All of a sudden, Hashem starts speaking in dreams. Not even directly, right? Just in dreams. He just gives them, like, kind of hints as to what he wants. Right? So, and Yosef is tasked with the understanding of the Rosh Hashem without direct communication. Right? It's one thing if all of us, you know, all of us growing up, our forefathers, uh, grandparents, great-grandparents, None of us spoke to Akash Baruch Hu. But it's a very different thing entirely that if your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather all spoke to him one-on-one, and all of a sudden, you have no line of communication. You have no way of contacting Akash Baruch Hu. And Jeff doesn't speak. He just gives you like these kind of like weird visions. Right? That's completely different. Right? And, and what is the result? At every moment, if you look at the text in this week's Parsha, next week's Parsha, Vayigash, also, Kosh Bar- Yosef is always, always invoking Shem Hashem. Hey, Paro says, I heard you interpret interpret dreams. Yosef says, Biladai, I do nothing. It's Akash Baruch Hu who will answer Paro's dreams. Right? Yosef is always talking about Akash Baruch Hu. Right? Hashem's name is all, always on his lips. Yosef was the first one to thrive in Golas as well. Right? So with that, it's this idea, without direct prophecy from Akash Baruch Hu, he was still able to understand the direction Hashem wanted to go. Perhaps that, says Rabbi Golden, is why we call him Yosef Atadik. Uh, because he was able, he was the first one to really kind of like uh, you know, re- figure out and realize what Kosh Baruch wanted to, wanted from him, uh, even without uh, you know proper direction. Okay, uh, Rav Melech, uh, switching over to Rav Melech Biderman, which I uh, always say, as you guys know, I'm pretty obsessed with. Uh, the Pesach says, right when Yosef was in Potiphar's house, Pesach says, "Vayhi Hashem es Yosef." Hashem was with Yosef. Vayhi Ish Matzliach. Right, and he was. He had Hatzlacha. He was he, he was successful, right? Mitzri, and he was in his master, the Egyptians' house. Now that pasuk is really really weird because first of all we know he's already in Potiphar's house, right? And second of all, uh, you know what do you mean Hashem was with Yosef and he was in Ishmatzliach? What exactly does that mean? He was a slave, right? He was he was sold down right, to Potiphar to Egypt, right? What do you mean he was, he was he didn't have you know houses and horses and and business and like he had, he had nothing. So what's going on over there? So the Melech quotes the Ksav Sofer, who says that the Gemara Shavas Daflam it says that Ein Ashkira Shora Ela Mitoch Simcha, famous Mordechai ben David song, I think. Kosh Baruch Hu's Shchina is Shora. It comes down right through Simcha. That's why Elisha had to get some musicians to get him in a better mood if he wanted to receive the prophecy from Kosh Baruch Hu. Kosh Baruch Hu, the Shchina is only hanging out by people who are besimcha. And it says the Ksav Sofer. I understand. Hashem is like a human. Right, he only wants to hang out with like happy people. Right, you, don't, you, you have, you know, Baruch Hashem, 46, 48 girls, Shanaf, whatever it is. You only hang out with the, with the smiley ones. Right, Hashem doesn't want to hang out with those who are unhappy. So he says, no, obviously that's not what it means. What it means is that when people are, have emuna, have, have shlemus in their emuna, right, they aren't upset about what's going on in their lives. And they aren't sad and disappointed and frustrated and whatever with everything that happens to them. But they have their heads on straight, right, and they're thinking, right, that someone who is samach belibo, someone who is happy in their hearts, right, and they realize that a kosh baruch everything Hashem does is gamzul tova, right, even if a person can't appreciate everything, that's how you have the shechina settle upon you. For when a person realizes that Hashem has, 
right, your good intentions in mind, even though for your limited insight, you don't realize what's going on, you can't see the good right now, right? but you have confidence in Munu Bitaq and Gamzal Tova, and therefore, a person is besimcha, because Hashem is taking care of them, so that's when Hashem has the Shechina right, dwell upon a person. That's the meaning, right, of the Pasuk, right? The Pasuk says, right? Hashem was with Yosef, right? and even though Yosef had been exiled from his holy family, and sold into slavery, into an Egyptian's house, into a world of Tumah, Right, it's still Hashem was with him because Yosef was Gamzulatova, right? Yosef always says that in the Pasuk, right? Hashem is taking care of me, Hashem is Hashem is this, Hashem is that. Right? Yosef saw through the dreams that everything was being orchestrated from above and he understood that. So Mamela, he was a Nishmatzliach, right? Because of that, he was a Nishmatzliach, right? He was he was successful even though he's in right in Mitzri's home because he felt that that's where he was supposed to be. Right, that's how the uh, Ramelech quotes the Chidush Arim. Right, the, the Medrash says, fascinating Medrash. Medrash says that Vayeshev Yaakov, that Yaakov uh, settled down, and Rav says the mushal for Yaakov settling is like someone who's traveling on the road, and he saw a pack of wolves, and he became very, very afraid, and therefore he sat down amongst them. Yashov lo that's what the, the language of the Medrash says, right? He just sat there amongst them. And so too, Yaakov saw that Esav, right at the end of the last week's parsha, Esav's children, descendants, were becoming kings and, and had success and they were winning wars, etc. So Yaakov saw Esav's children and he was afraid of them. And therefore, Vayeshev lo he sat with them. It says, I don't understand. It, what, what, are you ta- what are you even talking about? If you're afraid of something, why, why? You don't just sit there, right? If you're traveling on the road and bandits come or wolves come or whatever, you don't just sit down. Right? You run away. What, do you, what, what is this medrash? What is that muscle? So he said, when Akash Baruch Hu realized that Yaakov, uh, Yaakov realized that he couldn't go against the Roshna, Rotson Hashem, right? And if Esau's children were becoming strong and powerful, that clearly that was for whatever reason was from Akash Baruch Hu. So he just hunkered down. He just hunkered down, and he had a Muna that everything would be good, right? And that's and that's basically the same idea that he was that Yosef got this from his father, right? Then he understood that yeah, things look like they're bad, right? Esau's children are becoming powerful. I've been sold down to slavery in an Egyptian's house. But this is where Hashem wants me right now, right? And says this Fasam, this is myself, a similar abundant, and this is how we should approach our life and our lives in difficult times. Not to question Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but to understand that there's a greater plan. Right? And obviously, Hashem knows what's best for us. Obviously, Hashem had a grand plan to send the Jews down to Egypt, and Yosef was able to see right, that uh, that uh, you know, even though he probably didn't know exactly how it would play out, he still understood. He had a and realized that that this was from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Right? Even when he was in jail, right? Even when he was a slave. Right, he, he and and even when he became you know second in command of Egypt, right, he was always uh, talking about Akash Baruch and understanding that this was from from Hashem. Right, Svasema says that Yosef in, had the midah of hishtavos, right, that if being present, of being whenever he was accepting and thriving, right, in that pasuk, right, he quotes fascinating diak. He says when Yosef was in jail. So, uh, telling the story about he was in jail, right, okay, and the pasuk there says vayisham bevesazohar. And he was there in jail. So, so, so I don't understand. What do you mean? First of all, we know he was in jail. Second of all, what do you mean he was there in jail? Obviously, if he was there, he was in jail. That's what we're talking about. You could have just said he was in jail. Or he was there. What do you mean he was there in jail? So, yes, that's exactly the point. That he embraced being there, wherever he was, right, even though right, it wasn't exactly... Uh, ideal, right? That's where Akash Baruch Hu put him. That's where Hashem wanted him to thrive. This is so important for every one of us because the life has a way of taking you to places that you'd never expect. Right? When we're young, we think we have everything planned out, right? We go, we live, we live in, I don't know, we live in Queens and we go to YCQ and we go, 
to this place for high school, and we go to that yeshiva, and we go to that job, and this is what we're going to do for college. It's, we pretty much think that this life is how it's going to go. But very often it doesn't work that way. Right? It very often doesn't work that way. I never thought I'd end up teaching in a seminary. But sometimes a coach Baruch who puts a person somewhere and says, just shut up, come listen, this is what I do for a living, okay? Come on, just stay there for a little bit and trust me. So that's and what our job is, just to thrive and accomplish wherever we are, right? With, you know, regardless of the situation, it's not how you thought it would turn out, right? Even if we don't necessarily see the reason where, uh, where we were sent, right? And we're, we're supposed to, that our, our, our job is to put our head down like Yosef and like Yaakov and be like, okay, Vayeshev, I'm just going to settle. I'm going to be Matzliach. This is where Kosh Baruch wants me. So I'm going to trust him and assume that everything is Gamzul Tova and this is what I'm supposed to be. Okay. Uh, just, I guess, I'm a little bit all over the place now. I probably should have done this a little bit in a different order. But uh, when Yosef was going to look for his brothers, right, right, Yaakov says to Yosef, beginning of Shani, right, the beginning of Parsha, he says, go find your brothers, right, they're, uh, you know, they're shepherding somewhere. And the Pesach says, right, that Yosef actually didn't find them right away. He was actually lost. And the Pesach says, and that a person found him, making a mistake in the fields, meaning he was wandering, he was lost in the fields. And that person found him, right? That person said, oh, I saw your brothers, they went that way. So the Ramban there writes uh, that is, that you can see from here, you can see from this whole story, this whole Parsha is, a, is like a lesson in Emunah uh, Bitochon and, you know, Hashkacha Pratis from Baruch that Hagzera Emes, that the Gzera of Baruch is always true, and the Charitzos, which is Ashtadlos, which is man's effort to try and change things, that's false. <coughs> now, one of the proofs is from here. Right? Baruch Hu, the the Medrash says that Shem brought angels, the Ish, that the people that found Yosef was not necessarily people, it was angels. Hashem brought angels to make sure that Yosef got to his brothers, right? to show that this all wasn't happenstance, this is all Atzas Hashem Itakum, that's the puzzle that the Ramban quotes. Hashem, Hashem's Eitzah, what Hashem decides, that's what's going to happen. And points out, Rav Melech, this is hinted to by the words in the Pasuk, right? A man found him, an angel found him, and the man, right, Yosef, right, was Toeh Basadeh. He was straying in the field, right? The field is, right, what, what's the field? That's where everybody used to work, right? Back in the day, they, people used to work, plow the field, reap, etc. Right? That's a remez for Olam Hazeh, for, for putting in work uh, in this physical world. And, and this, the mushal is, the Kodesh Baruch Hu finds us straying in the fields, right? We stray. Human, humans end up straying in the physical world, right? That's our problem. That's what we have to remedy, right? To realize that, yes, while Hishtadlis is necessary, right? We definitely have to put in our efforts to make a parnasso, to get a job, etc. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, definitely to, to put in our efforts. But it's still a curse. It's still a curse of other Marishon. It's still B'zeh HaPech HaTokhalechem. Right? It, the the effort that we put in is not the reason for our bracha v'atzlocha. It's really only for Makosh Baruch Right? Hashem is kels anum v'faris lakol. Makosh Baruch is really the one who gives us gives us bracha. It's not necessarily the work that we do. And this is says of Melech. This is hinted to by the Gemara in Shabbos uh, about uh, about Hanukkah, which is next week. We'll talk, maybe we'll have a special share about Hanukkah. The phrase that the Gemara uses to define the amount of time. That we have to light Hanukkah candles, right? How long do you have to light Hanukkah candles? How long do they have to burn? Half an hour. What does the Gemara say? Gemara doesn't say half an hour. Gemara says, Misha Tishka from when the sun goes down, Achatichla Regal Menashuk, until all of the feet have left the marketplace. 
Very strange phrase. Very strange phrase. It's a very strange language. We never find, whenever the, the, the Gemara said it needs to say half an hour, it never uses this phrase. So, what's going on over here? So, Rav Melech quotes the Ramal Misasov, who I actually never heard of, but okay. Uh, the Ramal Misasov, who says that the hint, this is a hint to all those who walk in the Shuk. All of the people who walk in, in the world of Parnassah, the world of people who world, walk in this world, who work in the marketplace, they should learn from the miracles that happened on Hanukkah. Right? What happened on Hanukkah? You had one jar of oil that lasted for eight days. Right? That Ishtadlus is not the source of our atzlacha, but a Kosh Baruch Hu can send bracha to anything. <coughs> a Kosh Baruch Hu can make one jug of oil last for eight days. Kosh Baruch Hu can make a nine-to-five job turn a person into a millionaire. Right? Hashem says, <coughs> sends bracha to whatever He decides. Uh, you see people, unfortunately, working their tails off, and, and they may not necessarily enjoy success. And then you see someone else who doesn't work nearly as much, and they're much more matzliach, and vice versa. I mean, there's no direct correlation between work hours to monetary success. Right? And that's the, some people say it's the nature of the world, but really, Yiddishkeit says that that's because Akash Baruch is the source of the bracha. Right? If Akash Baruch decides that a person needs, you know, whatever amount of money, no amount, no amount of effort is going to contradict that. A person sets, uh, you know, Parnassah at a certain number. There's nothing a person can do necessarily to change that number it, through working, obviously through mitzvos and, and accomplishing and emunibitachon and growing. So it could be that you could change it, right? Giving tzedakah, right? Okay, you could change that number in that way. But in terms of putting in more efforts, putting in more hours, because Barclay decides whatever we're going to get. The the hours are just the established, the hechatim said, right? The, the way to get, right? The bracha uh, from Shemak, and it's a huge muster that we've said before, but it bears repeating because it's so easy to forget, <coughs> right? As the Torah warns us, right? Don't think that you're the source uh, of the success. Now, obviously, we need to get a job and, and put in the effort, but, you know, if you have a choice between, you know, working 14-hour days <coughs> and uh, working 10-hour days, right, the bracha is not coming from that extra four hours, right? Obviously, we have to put in the ishtadlis, but Coach uh, Barco gives us gives us the bracha based on what we're what we're judged to have right and uh, the fact that you put in the extra effort is not necessarily uh, is not necessarily gonna you know change that change that and it's not only by parnasa right coach Barco is in charge of everything right but in terms of even even with pain and difficulties that coach Barco gives exactly right what is decided right Ramela quotes Saba Mikel who says in this parsha right, again pretty pretty well known Rashi that Yosef's caravan that brought him down to Mitzrayim was carrying nice spices Right, good smelling spices, even though the Arabs usually didn't travel with that type of merchandise. Now, who cares? Right? Now, who cares? Right? That Yosef was smelling you know, lavender on the way down, or whatever it was, down to Egypt? What does the Torah tell us that for? So it says to Salva Mikhail that Hashem is not only guiding right, what's happening to the brothers' big picture, He's guiding every single little detail. Right, for whatever reason, Yosef was decided needed to be. Kosh Baruch decided Yosef needed to be sold down to Mitzrayim, but he didn't need to be nauseous during the trip. Right, Kosh Baruch was showed over every single little detail. I remember when I was I stayed by my cousins in Eretz when I was Shanalef, so I stayed by them for sukkahs, uh, and there was a fire in the sukkah. Pretty crazy. The candle don't don't ever light Shabbos candles in the sukkah. Yantav candles in the sukkah. There was a fire in the sukkah. Sukkah burned down, but my cousin was was reminding me. Not reminding. He was he was remarking that you know he had, just before they left the shul, he decided to take the the silver becher, the silver cup, 
right, out of Kiddush cup, out of the sukkah, and into the house. No, for no reason. He just decided, you know, he figured, oh, I'll bring it in later with the, the challah and whatever. Kosh Baruch decided that for whatever reason he needed to have the sukkah burned down, but not that he should lose, right, the Kiddush cup. Right, Kosh Baruch Hu showed it over every single detail. Right, and once we realize that, right, we can approach the difficult times or the more challenging times right, with much more clarity, much more understanding, right, more Akar Satov, right, you appreciate the little things that Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, does for us. Uh, for example, we went to, you know, we went back to the hospital for some checkups with, with Eitan and Baruch Hashem. You know, things are looking good, but but just in terms of the actual checkups, checkups themselves, he didn't need to take a blood test. Right? They scheduled us for a blood test. You know, that's obviously with a three-year-old that gets pretty, you know, messy or whatever. But they decided he didn't need it. Right? It's a little, it's a little chesed that 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 we appreciated so much. Right? You see that uh, Baruch Hashem that you know you can take comfort. Uh, in the tiny things, and realize that Coach Baruch is in charge of everything. Right? He's giving you exactly what you need, and what exactly what uh, whatever we were judged for, uh, right? and not and not anything more. Okay, uh, two more tiny little points uh, that I uh, want to point out. Uh, let's in terms of uh, I guess we'll do it's out of, we'll do it out of order just because I think the second point is is what I'll, we'll leave off on. But um, if you notice, when Yosef is interpreting <coughs> the baker and the butler's dreams, right, the, the the guy who serves the wine, I think they call him the butler, but I, don't, I feel like that's not a good translation. Anyway, the guy who serves the wine, right, what's his dream? He says there were, what was it, there was three grapes, three, three, uh, I, I'm in my, I don't have the pus in front of me, but I'm, I'm serving, I'm, I, I've, I've bu- bundles of, what do you call bundles of, gra- of grapes? Grape. Uh, I have three things of grapes, yeah, and I'm squeezing them into the cup, and I'm giving it to Paro. And what is it? he's like? I have no idea what this means, right? And Yosef says, "Ah, oh, I got. This is what's going to happen. You're going to take grapes, you're going to squeeze it into a cup, and you're going to give it to Paro." And the guy says, "Ah, oh, brilliant, amazing." <laughs> like that? Really? That's what you couldn't figure out. Okay, the three in three more days. Okay, that that was that was what was bothering him. That really, that he couldn't figure out what the interpretation was. So very often, right, again, it's just a quick muster. Very often, when a person is so troubled and so in, involved in their own saras, they can't see obvious things in front of them. Right? Sometimes when we get bogged down by the details, by the little thing. Oh my gosh, how is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? How is this going to work out? I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Very often, the solution is really right in front of us, right? And for whatever reason, we're blinded because, let's say, we don't have the proper moon to be talking, or we don't prob- don't have the proper mindset, or we're just so, so stressed out by other things. Very, very often, right, if you're able to just kind of take a step back, like the Monsieur Sharm says, right, to judge, right, the, and t- we have to get back into that also, but uh, to judge, you know, kind of take a step back and, and think about our own situations from a third-party perspective, right, very often the result is... Uh, is right in front of us, and that's the Chorah, what the what the godless of, of Yosef interpreting the, the the butler's dream was that he was just like, hey, this is what it means. Don't worry. This is the obvious route. This is the obvious decision. Right? This is the obvious explanation. Right? You shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't have had any uh, suffix. All right. Finally, the last one. Uh, the pasuk says by Yosef when he was able to run away from Isha's Potiphar. So the pasuk says Vayosef Vayanas Vayotzeachutza. He ran out. <coughs> And he went outside. And Chaim Shmulevitz points out an amazing point. He says, Yosef l- runs out and obviously leaves his cloak. Right? That's what uh, Isha's Potivar shows everybody uh, we don't, when he's gone. Right? She says, oh, look, he left his cloak, etc. So why didn't Yosef just take his coat? 
Like, ever, it's such a simple question. Like, he's running out. Well, what happens? He's running out. And he realizes, ah, it's like, you know, like in the cartoons, like they slam on the brakes and they just grab something from behind them and run out. I don't understand. It would have taken him literally half a second just to run back, yank his coat, and run out. Or even if he left the front door and he realized, oh, shoot, you know what? They're going to have that for evidence. I should probably clean that up. Run back in. Grab the coat. Run back out. Like, what? what, what why would you leave your coat? Like, why, why, couldn't get it after, like, you know, take the two seconds to, to, after he realized he left it? So says Rav Chaim, when you're fighting Yitzhak Sahara, apparently not. Apparently one more moment struggling in the Nisayon of whatever he was dealing with, one more moment in the house, and that would have put him in danger. That maybe he would have succumbed. And that, says Rav Chaim Shmuelavitz, is how a person needs to fight the Yitzhak Sahara. Right, if they if they have to approach it that if you remain again not talking about it in the case of Suffolk, but in, when you re- know you're in a battle with the Azahara and you're debating whether to you know what to do, and you, if a person knows if they remain in the battle for one more moment longer, you could fall. All you need to do is, is get out of there. Just run and get out of there. No questions asked. Right, especially in this realm of Arayos, right where our tivers are so so strong. Right, for sure, just get out. Says Joseph, don't even spend one more second. You're going to leave stuff behind? Doesn't matter. Get out of there. Avoid the Avera. Run away from the Yitzhahara as best you can. Uh, and, and it says Ramelech, where a person who is able to overcome their taivas in, in Arayos, in this, in this area, the Yitzhahara, in this realm, uh, the Gemara says in Kedushan, Dafmem, Kolabot Erva Liado V'nitzal Himenu, person who has some sort of test in the realm of Arayos and they don't succumb and they succeed and they overcome the Yitzhahara, Osin Lones, a person is over to miracles. Coach Barclay does Nisim and miracles uh, for people who are able to overcome the Yitzhahara in this arena. <coughs> and in the month of miracles, in, in in the month of Kislev, and we're about to have Hanukkah on Sunday, Hashem, where we should all be Zoha uh, to open miracles and private miracles, and we should have Simcha. All right, tomorrow you're getting married on Hanukkah. I, can't, I just realized that. That's so special. Uh, you should be Zoha to Nisim and Eflos, uh, Zoha to build the Bayes Nehmen and Yisrael, um, and Mitzvah uh, we'll all be Zoha to uh, see the open miracle of a Kosh Baruch Hu, bring the Mashiach, Amen, Ken Yeratzen. <coughs> it's great to see you guys. <coughs> oh, <coughs> I'll be all right. Um, have a great, great job, guys. Be well.